I want to welcome you all to the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International monthly Let's Talk Low Vision with Dr. Bill. We've put together a very special program for tonight. We got talking about the idea, you know, what do you do on a cold, wintry night besides when the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is lovely or delightful? Why not curl up with a good book or with some audio described television? So we got a hold of a few friends who were more than willing to come and share some of their expertise and experience on these topics. So we have quite the lineup this evening of people that we're all anxious to hear from. We're first going to talk about some audio described television and Carl Richardson, who is the co-chair of the audio description project for the American Council of the Blind. He's probably forgotten more of it than I will ever know. And I've long enjoyed audio description. So that gives you a little bit of a hint of how great Carl is at this. Following Carl's presentation on television, we will go on to Tony Camdella and talk about Bookshare. We're also going to be, Penny Reader is going to be joining him on that as a power user of it. Following that, we're going to talk with Brian Charlson, who is a very familiar with Audible and Kindle, both with the app and with the device itself, and with Overdrive. And Paul Edwards will be joining him. And so what we're doing, basically, a books, I keep calling it Books Beyond Bard. The idea was to do some alternatives, uh, some other programs and applications and services and resources that are available to each and every one of us. And so let's get started first with some good TV. Carl, I want to welcome you to Let's Talk Low Vision and take it away. Okay, first of all, a happy new year, everybody. So as Terry said, I am the co-chair of the Audio Description Project along with Kim Charlson. We are part of ACB, and for all the information I'm going to tell you tonight, you can access on the Audio Description Project website at adp.acb.org. That's ADP for Audio Description, .acb for American Council of Blind, .org. There are many ways now to access audio description from your living room, or in my case, my basement, through the youth, uh, or even on the go, if you're out and about through your smart device. And I'll talk about a little bit about that too. So the first and easiest way to access, well, first of all, I'm going to make an assumption that everybody here knows what audio description is, which is, I'm not gonna go into great detail about what it is. It is the description of events time, place, people's costumes during gaps in dialogue to help describe what's going on during video to aid the blind and low vision during television programming. And the other assumption moving forward is you're going to hear me mention the word CVAA, which stands for 21st Century Communication Video and Accessibility Act, which is legislation that passed in 2010 mandating audio description. And I will use moving forward the term CVAA to cover that. So, that, so the first thing is you should know is you can easily access audio description by simply having a regular TV set hooked up to an over-the-air air antenna. If you don't have cable or internet or television or streaming services, but if you just have a TV set that can access broadcast, the CVAA requires that the four broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox, all do 87 hours a quarter of audio description, which is about an hour every day or seven hours a week. And you can access that list of what's on each network on the Audio Description Project website I mentioned earlier. So there's a lot of programming on regular broadcast. Now, if you do have cable, the CVAA also requires, first of all, the cable boxes that your cable providers have to provide you with a talking cable box to access the cable services and that not only the four broadcast channels, but the five top rated cable networks, which are TLC, Hallmark, TBS. I can't remember all of them right now, but there's five of them. 
along with the four broadcast networks, are also required to have audio description, which is the 87 and a half hours. So broadcast and cable, you can access several hundred hours a month of audio description if you have a TV or if you have access to cable. That's one thing to know. And again, all that information is on the audio description website. You can also, if you have a DVD player, if people have DVD players, there are several hundred DVDs with audio description for those who their talking book <laughs> library might rent DVDs. Or if you're like me and you still rent DVDs through the mail through Netflix, I look at the audio description project website and see which DVDs have it. The tricky thing there is you have to know how to navigate the DVD, but there are DVD players now. They have buttons where you can simply push play and then push language on the remote until it accesses the audio description. So that's another, DVDs is another option. A little trickier, but it is another option. The next option, and this is where the most audio description is taking place nowadays, is with streaming services and on-demand services. And there are basically three ways to access streaming or on-demand services. Well, there's four ways. One would be an internet browser on your desktop, and you log in to say netflix.com or disneyplus.com, and you log in and you can watch the many titles through your internet browser. Two, would be on a smartphone, whether you have an Android device or a Apple device, iOS device, you can, most of these streaming services, if not all, have apps that play and allow you to have access to these streaming services. Third would be to have a streaming device such as a Fire <laughs> Stick or an Apple TV that you can add to your TV set and the fourth way, which is the way I do it, is many of the smart television now that can access the internet and many of these smart televisions and the streaming devices, they all have to talk and give you screen reader access because of the aforementioned CVAA. So I have a smart television and I can access all these streaming services and apps that provide audio description. And some of the smart television brands are Insignia, Toshiba, uh, Samsung, LG, they all have fully accessible TV sets, Amazon, that you can access these streaming services on. What are some of the streaming services? Some uh, annual memberships, such as Prime Video, some have monthly memberships, and there's even one that is free, which I'll get into in a minute. But they all have some sort of service you have to access, and they all have tons and tons of audio description content of all types, from documentary to drama, science fiction, romance. So Apple TV Plus, for instance, is a streaming service. I'm going to name them all that I'm aware of. Apple TV Plus, which is a monthly <laughs> subscription. That's $5 a month. Cool thing about them is every single title they put out in audio description is done in nine different languages with audio description. So if you have a household where English isn't necessarily your first language, that's kind of a cool service. Disney Plus is another monthly streaming service. I think it's about $7 a month. They have 700, 800 titles with audio description. I forget what the number is, but a significant portion of their catalog including their back catalog. So if you're a kid and you never got to see Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or Dumbo or Fantasia or many of the classics that our friend got to see and we couldn't see because we were blind and visually impaired, now's your opportunity to do it. Plus all the Star Wars movies, all the Marvel movies, all the Pixar movies, quite a bit of National Geographic specials. That's Disney Plus and that's kind of fun. HBO Max. Is one of the newer services, and they're doing a very good job of describing their titles. So many of the iconic HBO, and that's, I think, $15 a month. And if you've never seen Sex in the City or The Sopranos, things like that, that's another one. Hulu is another service. I can't remember how much that is because I don't subscribe to it, but they have quite a bit of original plus shows from Fox, ABC, NBC, they have audio description on that one. 
There is a free service called, uh, but it is an internet service, and it's not that many titles, but it's part of Prime Video, but it's free. IMDB as an internet movie database, IMDB. And you can either download the app or go to the internet and they have 30 or 40 titles with audio description, but the commercial. So you have to watch it. And I actually watched um, some of the old Columbo episode with uh, Peter Falk on that. And that was kind of fun. Next is Netflix, which was the first streaming service. And I think that the basic service is $9 and it can go all the way up to $20 a month, depending on what services and features you get. They were the first streaming service to do audio description with Daredevil and they audio describe every single one of their original programming, as well as they have a lot of movies that they've gotten from studios and they do quite a bit of audio description. Then there's Paramount Plus, one of the newer ones, they have a lot of audio description. They're still working on some of the accessibility challenges, so you kind of have to know what you're doing if you're going to get that service. I personally like that service, um, we're, and we're working with Paramount to improve the accessibility aspect. I mean, Screen Reader Act, that, that sort of thing. But they have quite a bit. Of, if you are a Star Trek fan, this is the one to get because their new Star Trek series all have audio descriptions, Discovery, Picard, things like that. And a lot of their CBS, because Paramount is owned by CBS Viacom, a lot of the CBS television programming that has audio description is also on this service. Then there's Peacock. They have different tiers. That's owned by uh, Comcast and NBC Universal. And they, parts of it are free. Then they have paid, paid tiers. That's the one I know the least about, but I know shows like The Office and some of their original programming has audio description. Again, there's a full list of what audio described for Peacock on the ADP website. Prime Video, I think it's the last one. I think you have to have an annual membership of $120 dollars a year and they honestly have a huge catalog of audio description uh, that you can access many ways one there's a lot of stuff you can watch for free they do all the original programming with audio description human audio description and i'll mention why i say that in a second but some of the stuff they've gotten from other studios they do audio description also with text-to-speech and and a lot of that's free but you can also rent or buy movies. Um, I just bought the latest James Bond movie that was in the theater a couple weeks ago. It's now available for streaming to own for $20. And I bought that with audio description. So it's become a part of my permanent movie collection. iTunes, Apple iTunes, you can also buy movies, rent movies, and they have, I think, over 1600 titles. So those are just some of the ways. And I know I went very fast, but I know we have, I'm one of five speakers, so I wanted to leave room because I want to learn about Bookshare and, and Overdrive myself. But those are just some of the ways you can access audio description. And again, if you have any questions, you can go to the Audio Description Project website at adp.acb.org, or you can email me, carl at carl-richardson.com. Again, that's carl at carl richardson.com and I'd love to hear from you and I'll answer any questions you may have. I may not know if you have a particular type of TV set, how to turn it on, how to turn on the SAP channel, that sort of thing. So I'm not necessarily good or if you have a particular cable service, but I can tell you where to find the audio description and what's out there, that sort of thing. Carl, thank you very much. I do want to ask you one quick question that came up earlier today, and that is, and I said that I would try and get it from Friday, but you may know it off the top of your head. If someone has a service, if you have your cable service that's not carrying through the, that doesn't have the audio description working on it, and they want to get somebody to straighten it out, they can file a compl an informal complaint with the FCC and isn't it DRO at FCC.gov? Does that sound right to you? Rights Office, yeah. Yeah, is DRO at FCC.gov. That's what it is, Lisa. That's what I just, but it is just DRO at FCC.gov. Yeah, I think there's Thank also you. an email for acceptability at 
FCC.gov. Also, if you sometimes it isn't always the fault of the cable provider, sometimes it can be fault of the local station in your area. And let's say and this seems to have a this seems to be an issue with the set top box. Right. Let's say it's an NBC station in your your wherever you live. For instance, I live in the Boston market. If it were my NBC station, what I would do is I would look for who the captioning contact is because by law. Every station has to have a caption and close caption and contact for the deaf and hard of hearing. They usually are the best person to get in touch with, and they can usually fix the audio description problem if you reach out to them. Oh, that's great information. <laughs> that is, that's very good. Thank you very much, Carl. If you can stick around, we'll be. Let me just continue on here because we're running behind schedule. Surprise, surprise. Our next presenter is Tony Kimdella from Bookshare. He is their outreach coordinator and his sidekick tonight is Penny Reader, who's a major user of Bookshare since its inception. So I wanna welcome you, Tony and Penny. Thanks, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Hey, Tony, how are you? Hi, Penny. It's nice so to talk to you again. Yes. I'm going to go first because you know all the technical stuff, and I just know why I love Bookshare. Um, I, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of history of Bookshare because um, I was around when it started, and I remember working with Jim Fruchterman, who, who launched the whole project, and uh, we were the first people to write about it in the Braille Forum, and I thought it was the coolest thing and still do. And uh, at the time, there was uh, these... these uh, obnoxious teenagers had created this service called Nabster. And what it allowed people to do was share their music with everybody else and listen to it for free. And eventually their record industry shut that service down. But at the time I had teenagers of my own and they adored Nabster and it totally made sense to me. And Jim found out about it from somebody in his neighborhood and said, hey, this is a way to let people share books. And that's exactly what Bookshare does. So people uh, share their books with Bookshare. Uh, they either scan them in themselves or Bookshare has a whole group of volunteers who scan in books. And if you're a member, then you can read any of the scanned in books that are available on the service. I started using Bookshare when it was brand new. I still love it. You have to uh, verify that you're a person with a reading disability. And you can do that if you're a member of BART very easily. And then Bookshare is not free for everybody. I think if you're a student, I think it is free. I think the Department of Education covers the costs for sharing and borrowing uh, textbooks. That's but true. I don't have very many textbooks. I read mostly bestsellers. And uh, I will tell you that I love going to Ron Charles's column in the Washington Post every Friday and finding out what books he recommends. And I can just about four out of five times go to Bookshare and well, the book will already be there. Now, Bard has improved and they get books done a lot more quickly than they used to, but you can almost always find everything on the New York Times bestseller list on Bookshare every single week. Every week the list is updated. Every week you can go to Bookshare and get the book. And that way you can read the books that your sighted friends are reading at the same time they're reading them and have an actual discussion. You don't have to wait for a year and a half to read the, the latest bestseller. So um, I really, I, I adore Bookshare. It costs, as, as far as I remember, I think I paid $50 last year for it. Everybody doesn't have to pay. Actually, in Montgomery County, Maryland, where I live, our library system pays those fees but I usually just give Bookshare the donation because it's worth it to me. And I think in New York City, it's free too. I'm sure there are other jurisdictions where it's free, but it's a fabulous service. And Tony, you can tell everybody about all the tech technical details. Uh, I guess one more thing I want to say is that the books are text to speech. If you really love a narrator, you might not love Bookshare, but I don't care. So, And they are also available in MP3, but it's still a text to speech voice. Anthony, do you have anything else that you can add? 
Well, I'm going to cherry pick a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say to Penny, we can date ourselves and I can be Johnny Carson and she could be Ed McMahon and she can just laugh at everything I say. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> good, good. Well, I got a funny story about the founder, Jimmy, Jim Fruchterman. Um, he, he was literally, uh, he's an engineer by training um, and he's a social entrepreneur and the mother company that houses Bookshare is called Benetech, which, which stands for Beneficent Technologies. They have, uh, over the years, done a lot of projects having nothing to do with what they now call global literacy inside the company. Things like mind detection uh, technology to save lives in places where there once was wars, things like that, that are good, good technologies. But Jim, Jim was actually a rocket scientist. He and his friends, uh, I think at Vandenberg Air Force Base in Southern California, they did launch a rocket and they got up in the air a little bit and then it exploded. And to this day, I think he still carries with him the tail fin to that rocket and he keeps ah, it. Ah, that's, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so, so he, um, he was with- He invented uh, open book. I mean, he's done so much for us. Yes, matter of fact, that's a, I was just going to say that the fact is he got started really with the desktop scanners and OpenBook being the software and, uh, and he formed a company called Arkenstone. And then because so many people were scanning, like Penny, Penny said, they started, they started sending their scanned books to a central place. That's when Jim had the idea that he got off of, of the Napster idea. And he, he told me he was going to call it Bookster. Yeah, uh, I hate to that too. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, that's, that's too cheesy. So uh, he, he went with Bookshare. And so now, now there are a million and 79,000 volumes in the library. Now it's kind of the exception to the rule that the book is, is hand scanned. The great majority of the books, and this is why they can get so many books so quickly, are electronically downloaded directly from the publishers in some kind of EPUB software format. And then the engineers at Bookshare, um, they load the book into the computer. Because they come electronically from the publishers, A, you can get so many books so fast. Which it's is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we get, the, we get the books the same day as they're released to the public very often. And, you know, 20 years ago, that was like a total, total, like if you died and went to heaven, that's what you would find there. Well, guess what? We're still alive. And we got a little piece of heaven down here now because right, we can yes. book the same day. You are so right. Now, if you have barred download skills, Bookshare is kind of tech techy, and the, the main complaint we get from people, especially the older people, n- nobody on this call, but especially the older people, is um, that it's a little too techy. If you have mastered the ways of downloading books from the barred system, then you do have the skill sets to, to handle Bookshare just just fine. A little different website, a little, little bit different procedure, but basically you have the skills to download. I think it's easier on Bookshare. I think their website is so accessible. You could, the very thing at the very top of the website is the edit box where you write the title or the author that you are searching for. And then all you do is hit an enter and you get a list. It is so easy. You don't even have to be very computer savvy to use that website. I'm a user and, you know, what they do, they do something. You can actually check the box after you put in your username and your password. If you tab over, there's a checkbox. Keep me logged in for two weeks. Two weeks. I wish it was more. (laughs) It's more. Yeah. You know, I do it so habitually. I don't even remember. But if you check that box, I mean, you can go in there, um, you know, day after day after day and not have to. Um, not have to log in. It sees that it's you to books that you've already downloaded in the My Bookshare place. You can go to your Bookshare history and see see books that you've ever downloaded. The My Bookshare uh, piece of it is is uh, time time limited, and so so if like you're doing like what I'm doing right now is I'm I'm assisting to direct the program out of Mississippi State University where they offer graduate courses to people who want to learn, learn about blindness. And I've got all of the textbooks that the, uh, the instructors signing to the students and they're all just sitting there right on the top of my, my bookshare list. I will tell you that sometimes, sometimes people get stuck. And so I have here in my notes, um, the phone number to call for help though, 650-352-0196. Six five zero three five two zero one nine eight. It's great information. And let me, 
Anthony, can I just ask you for anyone who wants to sign up for Bookshare, the web address for that is www.bookshare.org. It's thank you. Share.org. It's and, and one more thing we need to say is like if you want a book and you can't find it, and even if it's not a textbook, you just want to read the book, you can write support at bookshare.com and ask um bookshare.org and ask them if they will put it on their list of books to be scanned within literally within weeks, you will get an email back saying your book is ready and you can download it here. That is so cool. I, when I got an Instapod a few years ago. I, and I knew Melissa Clark had written a cookbook about Instapots and I was dying to read it and it wasn't available on Bard. I wrote to Bookshare and I had the book within two weeks. And, and that's just such a fabulous service. So I just can't tell you how much I really love Bookshare. So I hope you guys will try it if you haven't done it. Yeah. Now for anybody who, uh, since this is a low vision group, the um, formats the formats um because of of the way they get their books electronically when you're listening you're listening to synthetic speech yes it's pretty good quality i do have a a set of requests for them to make it even better quality and i think they're even they're even looking for better speech engine to use than what they've they've got right now and all that but the other formats just just so you know since bookshare kind of went the way of uh the national library service and it went the way of learning ally those three services that basically had recorded books for the blind at one point now have recorded books for the blind and they have recorded books for people with learning disabilities and other reading barriers so some of the a good chunk, as a matter of fact, a sizable number of people who subscribe to Bookshare are people who are not blind or, or visually impaired, you know, medically like we all are. So they um, have books in uh, different different font sizes, so visual, and you can set up your fonts the way you want them and your color background and other things like that. And if Dr. Bill were on the call, he would be loving to hear all this. Then, then they um, have it uh, where it can be Visual with visual tracking. So this is for people with learning disabilities. So you can actually have uh, the words that that you're that you're reading. You can actually have a tracker kind of highlighting them as you're going along. And you, oh, that's great for LD people. Exactly. And then they've got audio visual where you can listen and look and read, you know, visually and auditorily at the same time, and with the visual tracker. That is really cool. It's easy. It's like a combo box. So you choose the format you want. So like when I download a book, I just download straight text to speech. Mm-hmm. But if I wanted to, I could get text with speech and graphics. And then the, I, I guess the graphics would be somehow described. So, uh, I mean, there's just so much you can do with it. And I know a lot of people, I don't, but a lot of people use voice dream reader. With yeah, I would, yeah, I think that's going to come in in just a couple of minutes, Penny. I want to thank both of you for this. I hate to cut you short. We're going to go into a couple of other types, and then we're going to open it up to questions. So our next speakers are a combination of frick and frack, if <laughs> they've been known on occasion, and that's Brian Charlson and Paul Edwards. And Brian and Paul, what they haven't read in some format or another Hasn't been written yet, I think. I want to welcome you both to this evening's program. Thank you. Hello, Brian. Thank you much, Terry. Hey there, Paul. I wanted to say that so much of what we're talking about this evening, there's, there's a connection between things. When we talk about Bookshare, I remember visiting Paul at his home down in Miami, and he showed me this closet. I think other people might have used it as an actual closet, a bifold doors, all that kind of stuff. And you opened it up, and it was floor to ceiling stack three deep on a shelf, paperback books. Yep. Oh, what's with you? You're a blind guy. What's this all this paperback? Well, he never saw a Pulp Fiction, science fiction book he didn't want to own. So he'd buy them just by the great Gory Gobbs, and then he'd scan them. And one of the biggest contributors to Bookshare in his early days, back when, as Penny said, you know, people scanned and then shared, was the Paul Edwards science fiction collection and i read a lot of books that way i mispronounced a lot of words that way but, but yeah. i enjoyed books nonetheless <laughs> and then you take a look at we, we said this is other than bard and also video description and that kind of stuff well kim is uh, co-chair of the video description and she's the director of the perkins braille and talking book library and she and i have been involved in doing books uh in, in accessible format and those kind of things since 
God was young. I remember sharing more than one hard cider with uh, Mr. Fruchterman there and talking about what could be, and now know that we can almost yeah. take it for granted that. So yeah. part of what Paul and I are supposed to do here is to talk about some of the odds and ends in this whole world of, of books. I have my Victor Reader stream here next to me, bedside, to listen to things. And yes, I do use it to read bard books, and I will always, I think... And I, I have exposure to all the best text-to-speech you can ask for. But I will tell you, a good talking book narrator is hard to be. So given a choice, I'm going to go for that. And these days, it doesn't necessarily mean an NLS reader. It can be a commercial reader of that book from Audible or any of a number of other audiobook publishers. Right now, I think somewhere around uh, 66% of books NLS is posting were not recorded in uh, or by an NLS uh, producer. It, they're mainstream products. And in, right, books produced through Audible, but nonetheless were available through Bards. And so many books yes, right. that are coming through Bard are that way. Right. So as we talk about these different sources, we're not dissing one over another. No, no and, and we never intended thing, that to happen. With yeah, this. Exactly. This, exactly. This program, and, I really wanted to have... Because so many people know so much about Bard that I think it's good to have some alternatives in here as well. One of the things we Go can ahead, talk Paul. about, because because it, it kind of directly follows from what we were talking about with Bookshare, one of the cooler programs to come along uh, over the past few years is a, is a program called Voice Dream Reader, which is downloadable for your iPhone. And, and which directly allows you to take books from Bookshare. And what's nice about Voice Dream Reader is you can download as many, well, almost as many, 30 <laughs> voices that I've downloaded that operate with Voice Dream Reader because I, I can never quite decide what's the best one. And so I keep switching from one to another, but they are far better than the stuff that Bookshare has available at the moment in terms of the method for, for downloading books from Bookshare, in, in my opinion, is easier to use and more comfortable to use than the system that would normally be available for folks who are using iPhones or, or that sort of thing and using the Bookshare app. I am a huge voice dream reader fan. And, and I think the other thing that Brian and I probably need to talk about is one of the largest growth in, in resulted from the emergence of these new Braille e-readers that NLS is distributing and that other people are manufacturing, which are hybrids, which some of which, not the e-readers yet, but some of which uh, include Bookshare as an option, and all of which, including the NLS e-reader, allow you to download books from Bookshare in other places and add them to your e-reader, either as Braille files or as DAISY files. Um, I prefer the DAISY files because they're, you have more ability to navigate within them. But that's what Brian means when he says that everything is kind of mixed up together. Interesting. Right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everything is mixed together. And while we're talking about, if you will, the disability side of things, right? NLS, BARD, Bookshare, Learning Ally. Uh, we have some blindness slash disability resource out there, and they collectively are a huge, huge collection for us to deal with. They are not, however, the only. We mentioned Audible as yep. an example of, of a source of content. And there's some advantages to some of those titles because the books can be actually read by the author. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's a joy. Uh, I know I enjoyed that when I uh, read Obama's book, both Obama's books read mm -hmm. by the writer themselves. That, that added something to it uh, for me. But there, there's also, we keep forgetting that our, our property taxes or our taxes pay for this little thing called the public library system. And there's ways that you can walk through the door of your public library. And unlike me, the first time I walked into a public library as a blind person, the first thing they figured out is how to get me back out again. These days, there are some incredible electronic access that you can get. Now, it varies library to library. It depends on what kind of service they've bought into on your behalf. But you can go in 
with something like your Android phone or Apple-based phone, uh, sometimes digital recorders and the like, and be able to check out a book electronically from your public library. And therefore, what's the price? Free. Free. A library is supposed to be something where you don't have to be a moneyed person to pick up a book, any book. It's a public service. And so I think it's important that we all realize that just because we're part of the blindness, low vision system doesn't mean that we don't have a right to the rest of it. Uh, And I think the other thing we should say, Brian, is that systems like OverDrive have some really accessible components and some components that aren't. And and OverDrive is the most widely used um, system in public libraries for distributing electronic books. The reality is that those of us who are blind and or visually impaired or those of us with other disabilities are entitled to access all elements of our public library. And if their stuff doesn't work, you have a right to complain over the fact that it doesn't and ask that they fix it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a good point, because oftentimes you may be the only one or one of a very few people want to use that in that particular library branch. And so they it's just not a matter of them not wanting to do it for you, but just not being aware that this is a possibility to, for them to do. Right. And the overdrive model, the overdrive model is interesting because some people describe the overdrive model as, as a way to assure that you actually read the book because what happens with overdrive is you download a book from your public library and you essentially have access to that book for a limited period of time, usually two weeks. And if you haven't finished it in two weeks, it's gone. You don't have it anymore. That is <laughs> and you interesting. Have to check it out again. Yep. And you have a limit as to how many volumes. This all depends on the contract your library right. has signed with the provider. So what's, what I think is really important as we kind of bring this all full circle is access to the written word comes in a variety of places in a variety of ways. One is who's the source of the content. Second is uh, when they say it's accessible, what do they mean by that? Is it text-to-speech like Bookshare or is it human narrated like NLS Bard or Audible? Audible, Is it a free service or is it a fee-for-service type of product, whether it be an annual fee membership fee like Bookshare or uh, pay-as-you-go like Audible uh, or a free service like NLS, those kind of things. So there's that. And there's also the devices we're using to access this. I don't know about you, but I do not sit at my computer to read a book. No. So for me, the fact that I can download it onto my computer is of less value to me than any other method I might use. Mm -hmm. I really listen to almost everything I read either on my uh, Victor Reader stream or on my iPhone. And it really does depend on the qualities and which services those devices will let me access the most readily. If I have a choice, if that that book come out that uh, Penny was talking about earlier in the New York Times bestseller list, first place I'm going to look for it is any kind of free human narrated version. Uh-huh. Then I'll drop down to free e-version. I'm a penny pincher when it comes to things like right. this. Passionate about the idea of the free public library. And then I'll drop down to the, I can't wait, so I'll buy it in some format. And I think that that's a reasonable thing for human beings to do who are looking to do that. I have to say one last thing about access to books, Terry. I go out to my chair in my living room in front of my electronic fireplace and not only have electronic books, I don't only leave myself with electronic books. Next to my chair are Braille magazines. There's something of having a book in your hand, whether that be a Braille book or a large print book. There's something about the smell of paper Uh (laughs) as part of the book reading experience that I don't want to give up just because it's available electronically doesn't mean that I'm going to give up that bookcase. Now, we're, we're not going to spend very much time talking about this, but there's one other thing we haven't really talked about at all, and that is there are a huge number of electronic books that can be read with synthetic speech that are produced uh, by outfits like Kindle and Nook. Nook is not very accessible even now, but Kindle is. 
and so is Apple Books. And all of us who have iPhones should really seriously consider using both of these to supplement our reading options because they very often have stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And they very often have offers where you can get books for nothing. That's true. And the other thing about them, especially with Kindle, is at least with the device itself, for people with low vision, you can read it visually and it's very adjustable on this on the font sizes and such. Yes, and excellent. With that, I'm going to and open it to questions. And our first question is from Jason. Talking about Bookshare, can I download books from Bookshare on my Braille Note Touch Plus so I can also read it in Braille? Yes. Uh, yes. So that when you download and you ask for the format that you would like, you would ask for the Braille, the BRF or Braille format. Well, and with the Braille Note Touch Plus, you can probably actually, using the DAISY format as well, it'll probably work. It certainly works with my note takers as well as with the new e-reader. And the advantage of downloading using DAISY is that, is that there tends to be more navigation that's possible than there is in a straight BRF file. Oh, and, and Bookshare has DAISY? Yes, Bookshare. they do. Oh. Yes. Thank, thank you, Paul. Appreciate that. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is, I, as I say, this group is teamwork at its best. Chris in Texas, you may unmute. A great presentations. I have a question about Bookshare. I do use Voice Dream Reader with it, but they were talking about using the Bookshare website. Can you read books and download them just using the website? Yeah, when when you get your book title, um, you know, in in your in your folder, and you go to the book title. And you just go down a few lines. There's a, a, a read now link. Just uh, press enter on that and it opens the web version of the book up. And there's like, uh, you know, alt T gets you to the table of contents. And then each chapter has got its own link. You can navigate around inside of the, the web books pretty easily. Mm, okay, thank you. And our last caller right at the moment is uh, Perla. Hi. Um, is Carl still there? Yes, uh, yes, I'm still here, I believe. Okay, he may not be able to answer this right because it's kind of a legal question. As far as the accessibility for television, he said that every box has to have the voice control and so on. Well, uh, what about people who are living in communities, senior independent living communities? And they have one system, actually it's DirecTV, for the whole place. But each person has a separate box. Do those boxes, are they required to have accessibility for blind and visually impaired? You could work with your independent living centers to ask the cable company to provide the talking box. Now, I don't know whether every cable company has to have a talking box. Now, whether they give that to the independent living center, the independent living center, I think, would have to ask for that and then also know to turn on that feature. And I don't know if that would work for everybody, but they are available and they can provide them at no extra charge. I think one of the issues that comes into play with that I've run into myself for someone is if you're living in maybe a senior center, um, right. some kind of a group home situation where you've got, let's say you've got 10 people living in this house and four of them watch TV and have TVs in their own room, but it's all on the same, on the same account. Same system, right? Yeah. So that, that does the, the service provider have to provide only one at no charge or can they provide more than one at no charge? I think that's where the issue comes in. Am I correct, Bella? Well, the issue comes in where they say that their system is not updated enough to have those boxes, which doesn't make sense to me. But at the 2016, they've had six years. At the 2016, they are supposed to have the ability to provide those boxes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate uh, all the information you gave us today. Thank you very much. Terry, with regard to DirecTV, it is a, a very strange situation because essentially the way they've set their system up, at least according to their engineers and to some degree, according to folks I've spoken with at the FCC, 
they don't have the ability to have more than one master box on any single system. So when, when I filed a complaint indicating that I wanted more than one master box in my house, they said the only way I could get that was to have more than one dish. So it, <laughs> it, it, became, it became a major issue. However, what my advice to Perla is to say to your folks, to say to DirecTV, we want you to update the system and give us one of the appropriate set-top boxes because it is then possible to operate at least some of the components um, with extension boxes. Not all of them, but a few of the components that are available, like audio description, will be available to you with the, with the small set-top boxes that, that attach to the main box. Good thinking, Paul. Thank you okay. very much. All right. Thank you I, very much. Thank you, Perla, for your call. One last hand raising. Lisa, please. Thank you. Great talk. Great discussion. I have Bluestream, which is a new service in South Florida, fiber optics that uses DirecTV on the box. It's, we can have a bo two box, you know, you're, depending on the contract, we can have more than one box in our home. The, the boxes have audio description. There is an SAP button that you can press for English, I mean, for audio description of Spanish, just like in Comcast, but it doesn't work. No one knows about it. It is so frustrating. No tech, no IT, no customer service. I have been on this for months with them, so I'm going to have to go to DRO now to, you know, to, with the FCC to put in a complaint. Somebody in uh, the ACB, AD, audio description, they were, they were going to look into it. But I don't know what happened. It's just, it's frustrating because it's there and I miss so much and it should be accessible and it's just not. Any insight anybody has on who I can approach besides going to FCC, I'd appreciate well, it. I would recommend that you go to FCC, especially where DirecTV is concerned, because we need to see more complaints filed against DirecTV. They claimed last year that they had actually, at least to some degree, solved the audio description problem and come back into compliance with the law because what the law now says is that for companies like DirecTV, they are required to provide simple and easy access to audio description. <laughs> and the truth is that the only reliable way of getting audio description on a DirecTV appliance is with seven keystrokes, which is not simple and appropriate. So the, my answer to you is file a complaint. Okay, well, with this um, fiber optic, it seems great. And the audio, there are two ways to access audio description, and neither one works. Even though it says audio description, they do, on their behalf, they do have a screen reader, which reads you actually like uh, code, which is yes, annoying, but, but it does. But, does it's, but, it's, a, but it's a lousy screen reader. It's, it's horrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, yeah, it's so virtually impossible to understand, and it should be complained about as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I thought it was just me. I'm like, there's something no. wrong here. Okay, thank you so uh, one, much. One thing I want to suggest to you from an advocacy point of view is it sounds to me as if you're getting direct TV, but you're getting it through some kind of service. Uh, yeah, Blue a local Stream, which is fiber optic. It takes the direct TV into fiber optic. Are you doing the streaming right. service or the satellite? It's fiber optics. There's a box outside our complex that runs through the street. It's a whole complicated mess on, yeah. on so the roadway. So if it's a streaming service, they're not required to pass through the audio description by law. If it's a satellite service, they are. That's what I'm confused about. So I understand. You're getting direct TV, but you do not have a satellite dish on your house. Correct. You're getting access to the signal through some kind of farm where they're drawing in lots of customers through fiber optic to some central dish somewhere that's yeah, we have no gathering idea up the we signal. We have no information. Yes, we have no but, information but that, about that. that. That would be what you've described to me. So there's a couple yeah. of things that, and that complicates things in terms of what the requirements of the law are. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but it means it is more complicated. The complication you're running into is not exclusively a dish TV issue or direct TV issue. It's a hybrid issue here fiber optic and direct TV in combination. The other thing to know, 
and uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, Terry, when you file a complaint to the FCC, the FCC collects complaints to see patterns of abuse. Yes. So if you can get other people you know who are on the same service to also file a complaint, there will be a pattern of concern going on that is likely to trickle up to actual action on the part of of the agency you're complaining to, in this case, the FCC. So find your buddies and friends who are not just audio description users, but users of this service, and get them to complain as well. That's where you'll start okay. to, I think, see some more action. And I think, think you'll see some action pretty quickly because there's a very small group that does specifically that specifically does these complaints. Right, for, and there's uh, a very Columbus. simple form to use on the FCC. Yes. It's, it's very easy to use. And when I filed a complaint two years ago, I had a call from the president's office of AT&T within four days. Can I ask you, what, where on the website would that be, that form? Go to FCC.gov and under um, at, at, um, on the bottom of almost every page, there's a place about accessible formats. There's a place about filing a complaint. There's a link right there. You link on that. That'll take you to the complaint center. And that'll bring you to the form that Paul's referring to. Yeah. Terry, somebody sent a message saying because it's fiber optic, it really is cable and it should apply. And, and I, I think I sort of agree with that. But no. DirecTV awful doubt now offer a streaming service. And what I right. don't know is if she's getting the streaming service, then no, they're not required. If she's getting it yeah. from a disc through fiber optic, then yes, they're required. That's what I... Yeah, no, I, I hear you, Carl, and, and I think it's an important issue. It is an important issue. The Audio Description Project is starting to do outreach to streaming services such as Sling TV, Direct TV Streaming, and others. They're trying to take over the cable, and when they do, they're not passing through the Audio Description. And with this, as much as I hate to say it, we really need to call this. We're We've run 15 minutes over. Any, I want to thank you all, and I hate tying up all of our guests this evening and all of you. And I'm so pleased that so many of you were able to join us tonight. Let me just do a quick, uh, on behalf of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, I thank you all. We will have, if anybody's looking for any additional programming you can, and, or any additional information from tonight, you will be able to find it within a day or so on the website, which is cclvi.org. And I just want to thank you all for a great evening. And with that, I say good night.